Hey guys, and welcome to the first episode of the Indian Hammers podcast. We're so glad to have the opportunity to bring this to you to help connect West Ham fans here in India with all the Hammers over land and seas. I'm not sure a lot of you know about the Indian Hammers, but it was an official supporters club for West Ham United here in India since 2014. And we have over 50 members here right now in India supporting the Mighty Irons. Uh, for some of them for over 25 years, some over 30 years. And uh, of course, some new fans as well over the course of the last few seasons. We're very pleased to have with us today one of the founding members of the Indian Hammers, Mr. Tahir Narona. Tahir is from Goa. Welcome, Tahir. Thanks, Adoksh. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. Uh, really, the club has grown so much since when you and Varun got together in 2014 and found us and started this. So, always happy to be a part of this. It has come a long way, hasn't it? I mean, I remember when we're talking about 2013, when the club was, uh, when the Indian Hammers was originally mooted as an idea, we, we, we used to hunt for fans on Facebook, scroll through comments, try and find uh, any fans that we could get uh, who happened to reside in India. And given the geographic and population scale that we have here, uh, it was a mighty task. And here we are with our very own podcast. So how does it feel? It's, it's something else. Do you remember in 2014-15, we would DM people on Twitter and 90% <laughs> of the time they would turn out to be, you know, Britishers who were two generations in the UK Correct. who supported yeah. West Ham. And now we found so many Indian kids and, and older people also who like the team. So how we've grown, to me, it, it just shocks me. It's amazing. That's true. And I think it shocks a lot of people. I mean, um, I'm sure you, you're aware of uh, the kind of stick we've been getting on Instagram recently from some of yes. the so-called... Uh, uh, football fans in India where uh, most of them accuse us of being bots. Some of them <laughs> accuse us of having been paid by West Ham to even support the club. So, uh, just to put it out there, you want to send a message out to everyone on social media that we really do it. doesn't have money to buy, <laughs> buy players. <laughs> and we are paid. How are they bargaining down Benrama's price? <laughs> That's, I think, the be best way to put it. Yeah? Anyone see that David Gold and David Sullivan are paying fans in India to become <laughs> members of the Indian Hammers. Let's put it to rest. The club <laughs> refuses to pay the stipulated transfer value to a lot of players. So I don't think you have to worry about them paying us at this stage. <laughs> really? So just to dwell a little bit on uh, your association with West Ham, how did it start? How does a boy from Goa go on to support uh, a club in East London? How does it happen? Uh, so, so if I can, I mean, I'll start really. In Goa, football's a big thing. Right. And uh, everyone had a club that they supported. Even I had a club from from the fourth, fifth grade in school, we all had our clubs. And it was Manchester United, Chelsea or Liverpool and Arsenal right. at that time. Arsenal were doing really well at that time also. Uh, and everyone had a club. And I was one of the Manchester United guys. Yes. Till maybe my, yeah, till, till I got into high school. And that was around the time that I started to get 
more interested in the relegation battles. And I think that was 08, 09, or 07, 08, when West Ham were in a really sticky spot at, in December. When are and we then, not? <laughs> and, and, then, and then Carlos Tevez kind of turned around the entire season single-handedly. And I got really excited by this team. Uh, it was still another two, three years. I think I really only got behind the club in that season under Avram Grant when we got relegated. Yeah. That's, that's, I think... 10-11, when we got relegated and we went down because the team had so much of flair at that time. I still remember Diamanti, Stanislas, they were putting up a good fight. Yeah. And yet we went down and we went down last. It was heartbreaking, but I said, no, this team deserves my support and they have to fight back up. And the very next season, we fought back up and, that play, and, and I was sort of cemented as a West Ham fan, maybe the, the, the season in the championship. And uh, ever since I've been... I've been sold on the club since we've come up at that time under Fat Sam and how we've uh, how how times have changed, how our game has changed, but the club is still the same, and it's wonderful. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're talking about the uh, season under Adam Grant when we went down. I when we went down, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I I don't remember too many teams in the in the recent past at least. Who've scored that magic forty points and have still gone down? If I'm gone not down. that year, we did score forty points. Right? We did, we did, and 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 we had and Dembaba also again came in from nowhere second half of the season. Really played well. We it was just really bad luck. I think that last day we lost to Wigan, if I remember correctly, and it and just all the other fixtures went against us, and we went down. It was really. It's. I mean that. That's sort of been the fortune's always hiding. Yeah, the fortune's always hiding, and I think it's always been a trend where um, you know things start to go our way, but then eventually uh, the club flounders and uh, things go wrong. And it, it could be in the form of injuries, or it could be in the form of tough fixture lists. Um, I mean, for the first time in years, we get a, a non-so-called top six on opening day, and to <laughs> substitute for that, they give us the rest of them. Back to back, so but till now, let's see about the Liverpool game. But till now, we're doing a number on them, which gives me great, great happiness. That's true, and and let's let's go on that. How 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 do you think we've done so far? And are you surprised, or are you are you uh, say this is a continuation of the form we carried through post lockdown towards the end of the season and it was expected that we would put up a fight if not get the results that we are getting. Uh, so, I've always backed Moyes and I think some of, the, some of the other guys in the club get a little irritated about it. But I've always backed Moyes and, the, and, and I've mostly backed the board as well. Uh, and so, for me, I think that all in all, this has... Uh, it's, it's been coming for quite a while. We have the players... And right now, the boys are really looking like they want to fight for the club, which, right. which, I think, I think like really that motivation pushes the club to newer heights, and it's kind of led us to do really well. I, of- I think we deserve to be where we are right now, and and we actually deserve more points from some of the. I mean, of course, people are going to call me a delusional person, but we do deserve a few more points than what we've got till now. I think we've done a great job. 
No, I agree. I think barring the Newcastle game where, quite frankly, no one turned up. Um, hmm. we, we... Except for John Joe Shelby. <laughs> John Joe Shelby always turns up against us, doesn't he? We have, we have these boogie players who... who... Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson. <laughs> and Newcastle seems to want to hurt them all just to, yeah. <laughs> just to get us back for I don't know what. But... Yeah, so I mean, speaking of new heights that you were mentioning that uh, the club has reached, uh, let's get back to the Indian Hammers and uh, somewhat home territory here, right? Mm-hmm. What's your experience been like? What's the general reaction when you tell someone that you're a West Ham supporter here in India? Forget the social media trolls. I'm talking about the general vibe in Goa, for example. So, so the first question that people ask me is why? But a lot of, uh, I think Goa has got a lot of diaspora. A lot of Goans work in UK. Mm. And a lot of them uh, know West Ham supporters in the UK. Right, right. So there is a general acceptance uh, in Goa. Like people ask, oh, why, do you, why do you support West Ham? Do you have a relative who is in London? And I say, no, I just like the team. And then they're like, yeah, the fans... The fans in the UK are really some of the most charismatic fans. And right. I think that's also an important part. It's like, no matter who I speak to, if they know their football, West Ham fans generally get a very good, uh, a very good stick. Uh, I think it's just the camaraderie that is in the fans. And I, and, and I like it because I see it amongst our Indian Hammers too. Uh, everybody is all in for the club. That's true. I think that's that's one of the things that's really helped uh, grow the Indian Hammers, uh, even from the initial days when I think it was just three, four of us. Uh, then I remember for the longest time we had uh, 11 members. I remember mm-hmm. that number distinctly. And uh, each of us was doing our own bit to try and find new West Ham supporters who, who are hidden within the one billion people that we have here. So I think the camaraderie that you talk about is very important because that's one thing that helped the Indian Hammers grow and that camaraderie seems to be what's holding this team together as well with David Moyes. Something that we didn't see quite often under Pellegrini. Do you agree? I, I completely agree. I, in fact, I, I was actually I was going to jump into the same thing because I think that under Pellegrini we saw players uh, taking things more lightly and uh, under Bilic we saw players Possibly, uh, also letting kind of the kind of a camaraderie get to their head. While yeah. under Moyes, uh, you see, he he seems to have he seems to all the players seem to like him, but at the same time, the players seem to respect him, and they don't want to kind of fool around, or they they give their all. So in some way, they're like West Ham, but in West Ham fans, but in other ways, they're not. And I think that's interesting. Why do you think that happened though? Because let's, let's take Pellegrini as an example, right? Sure, mm. if you take Bilic as an example, he, he wasn't the most experienced manager you have out there. He's not someone who's won trophies. But then you have someone like Pellegrini, who's, who's won so many trophies in so many leagues around the world. He's, he's done so well within the Premier League itself. And when he comes in, you'd expect that players at West Ham would, I don't know if being in awe of him is the right way to put it across, but you would expect a certain amount of respect being shown towards him. 
and the fact that that didn't happen and let's face it we did lose the dressing room pellegrini did lose the dressing room what, what what's your take on that why do you think that happened i i think the players want a manager who uh, who they can also relate to whose aspirations are uh, like are similar to them i i don't know uh, even i this is something that i have never figured out because i i thought that for a while pellegrini was really trying to get the team to play a more attractive style of football but it just didn't click with the with the players yeah and uh, what and moy's people may say it's not the most attractive game but it does click with the players and we get results and like he said in that much trolled interview i get wins <laughs> <laughs> winning is what i'm here to do winning is what i'm here to do <laughs> i mean he's delivering so the, yes mean, i have no complaints at all going back to going back a couple of years right and it's that final season at the bullion what what was your thought process back then as a, as a west ham supporter in india um i'm assuming like most of us we've never gone to the bullion ground to watch a game or maybe we watched one stray game when we visited london on a holiday mm-hmm. uh but outside of that the only connection we had to the ground was tales of history and the games that we watched what was your take on that final season and uh, the decision to move so at that point of time i was super like excited about the move i thought we got a uh, a deal in more ways than one and i think many people know indians love deals <laughs> but uh, i i was just i was super excited about the move to the london stadium it was a huge stadium it would it would reflect the aspirations of the team i've thought it would very much reflect the aspirations of a of a newer class of fans we had really talismanic talismanic players at that time like bai and everything seemed to be going our way in that final bolian season and we played so well at that time yeah that uh, really i i don't know i i thought that i mean and then later on it's only later and me i mean just a little bit of my background i'm an architect so i should have probably thought about this at that time but it just doesn't click in your head that how the distance of the stands from the playing field will affect the atmosphere of the game but i also think it might also be because we never saw the games played live at least i never went to went to that stadium and saw it live mm-hmm. and so to me really the atmosphere was only what i saw on my television but atmosphere can make and make or break a space and really the bolins atmosphere seems to have made us so invincible there and and it's possibly why we struggle to have an advantage in the london stadium and again the the coronavirus pandemic brings this again into context because if you look at all the teams uh, records the home versus away uh statistics are not the same as they were even last season or any of the seasons before the, the home advantage is almost completely gone this season right. and yes. it's again because of the atmosphere but coming back to that atmosphere right do you think it's just the distance that's creating the issue <coughs> say we remove no. the track say 5 years down the line 10 years down the line the london development corporation finally comes to its senses and realizes look athletics is not going to bring in money to the stadium this stadium is a white elephant let's 
sell this to West Ham at whatever price. Say we agree and we reposition the stands, bring it closer, remove that track. Do you think that's all it needs? No, because there's also the location. It's it's not exactly in the middle of the East Ham market. And I think some of our NRI boys put it also very nicely yeah. at one point. That uh, to, to get to the stadium, you sometimes have to walk through that shopping center and uh, take a train for so long. Uh, earlier, earlier, most of our fans come from like East Ham, that, that particular borough of London. Yeah. So, so there's also the whole thing of going to a recently developed district, which doesn't necessarily match the vibe that the team has always had. So it's, you're, you're slightly out of place. And I don't know. I think that at some point, we can make London Stadium our home. But, but there are a lot more factors than just the than just the physical architecture of the stadium. It's also the atmosphere around the stadium and your atmosphere on your commute to the stadium, which to me are very important things. I'll have to agree because, again, taking an Indian context into this, most of our stadiums, at least out of Goa, Goa has some fantastic stadiums, but if you take um, my hometown, if you take uh, Bangalore and Bengaluru FC Stadium, which is... Mm. Uh, which is the uh, local football club here in the Indian Super League. Um, mm-hmm. There, There is a track in between the stands and the football pitch. But the atmosphere that's generated by 20,000 uh, BFC fans who turn up every game is is uh, is unmatched. It's, it's incredible. And you don't feel the track acting as an impediment. So, I'll have to agree that maybe it's not just the physical architecture of the stadium, maybe it's the hundreds of years of history that we've lost by mm. the bullion. Yeah. And I think it's going to take some time. To I, I do believe that, that. The, club can, the club can find a way around it. I don't think that it's impossible. I think that eventually uh, times change and people adapt to changing times and, and places adapt to people. So I, I, So I do think that that we will eventually grow into the London Stadium. But With results like this, I have no doubt. <laughs> it's unfortunate there are no fans to see this, but we're in a really hot streak right now. Yes. And I'm really, really happy. So, yeah. Coming back to, coming back to the team this season, we've just got the news. Uh, for, I think X broke it first. That... Antonio won't be playing, and then Moez uh, confirmed it on the podcast on his uh, press conference as well that uh, we don't have Antonio for tomorrow's game against Liverpool. How big of an impact is that going to be? That's massive for us. That's just massive because Antonio gives a hundred and fifty percent every game he plays, and it just means so much to have him there chasing down lost causes, running against four defenders. Uh, defending corners, he's, and I think it's. Uh, I read it on Twitter that Antonio. Somebody put that Antonio plays like a guy, who, a, a kid on a schoolyard who's been told go play up top. Yeah. For the first time. Yeah. So he plays like he's earned that a uh, chance to play a striker, and it's really losing him is going to be really difficult for us. And I feel so happy uh, to see him 
play coming to this, right? Yes, yeah. yes, because he's given so much also to the club. Uh, he's, he's played, played at right back, back left back, you yeah. name it. He's played there. So, yeah. like for him to actually come into this and become our talismanic striker is <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's good karma. Speaking of uh, talismanic strikers, the guy we have to replace him, Sebastian Haller. What's your view on that? I think he has potential. But there's there's a kind of an attitude that I get from him every game he plays, which is very negative. Yeah. And that kind of uh, worries me, if I can say, because is that just a is that just down to him being French? Maybe he just doesn't express himself too much. Pae used to express himself a lot. He threw a tandem to leave the club. I think Pae used to be surprised with some of the stuff he used to pull off himself. <laughs> <laughs> it was just incredible. I don't know how he did what he did. Do, do you remember that Middlesbrough goal that he scored? How many defenders fell to the ground trying to stop that? <laughs> but, yeah, so, Haller, tomorrow, would, would you have him starting? Or would you have... Say Bavin or Yamalenko playing a false so, I've seen a couple Hull games when Bowen played striker, and I think Bowen is a good striker. So I would actually put Bowen before him because I know that Bowen's gonna run back and defend. And uh, again, like Antonio, give it your all. And you, we've got a Liverpool team, especially a team with a with a back two, the two centre backs will be shaky. Yeah. So somebody with real, uh, real. Real anger and real fight would possibly be able to go and uh, trouble them a lot more than somebody who has a bigger physical presence and possibly more composed when finishing as well. But uh, I think that we really need somebody who will run circles around them and that's what Jared Bowen might do. And if Moez goes with what you're saying and he plays Bhavan as the striker, who's replacing Bhavan? On the wing, on the right. I would, I would probably see Fornals on the right and Ben Rama on the left. But Fornals playing on the right. I don't know. Have Have we seen him do that before? Can't remember. No, I think he normally plays in the hole behind. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I honestly, I haven't seen Ben Rama play except for a few highlight re- highlight reels. So I don't know. Maybe Snoddy, but Snoddy's too old. Difficult to think. Yamalenko, Yamalenko. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moise likes Yamalenko. I think that he's a little lazy, but yeah. he does have a killer left foot. Yeah. So yeah. I would rather see Fornals because, again, he gives 150% every game. The last game, do you remember? <laughs> the team made a wall and he slept behind <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubting his commitment is there. He's, I think he's endeared himself to every West Ham fan. But... That's where the question, another question arises, right? Is it enough that he's giving his 150% every game when you know there are certain deficiencies or rather uh, lacunas in his game? Like, you know, for example, if you take that City game, he was one-on-one with, uh, with the goalkeeper. I would think anyone else in that position would have scored that. So, there are issues with Fornal's game. And his commitment aside, do you see those being an issue? So, so my argument, because I'm a big Fornal's fan, 
is most players would have not been wouldn't have not had the stamina and the and the drive to run across, run the entire field and pick up that ball yeah. and get into a one on one opportunity to shoot in the first place i i don't see sebastian ale doing that so <laughs> so yeah i i i think that fonals has skills that uh, also give him advantages and part of that is just his his determination and his stamina and his ability to chase down lost causes and to get into good positions and i think finishing can be improved on with the right uh, support he's still young yeah he is he is and uh, but i would i do prefer him to yamalenko because i i think that the, the way we are playing especially under moise we need players who will fight really hard because we're up against strong teams and the only way we've been able to overcome them is through grit and determination right but it's just the end of the road for alay then if if i'm a 45 million pound striker and i realize that i am number 2 to mikel antonio i'm going to be okay with it considering the form antonio's in but then antonio gets injured and then the boss still doesn't strike start the only recognized striker in the team is that the end then difficult question difficult question i think aller already upset uh because even in that game where he scored the header i think it yeah. was wolves the last i don't remember wolves yeah he he just seemed he didn't celebrate he was just like uh and i i think that he's already his morale is low he's probably looking he's got his agent looking for a switch out but nobody will want to take him on he needs a team that will play to him he is very good we've seen him at frankfurt yeah. but he also had two players who synergized with him really well in luka jovic yeah and yeah and but i think we have so, that right now don't we we have that with bavin and fornals and uh, benrama and lanzini any of these four on on with alair up front can really give him that service that some people say he's been lacking till now we we'll have to see i i don't know i think there may have been something else in the kind of service that jovic and rebic were providing him right let's see i think the team news tomorrow is going to be very It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, okay. I my my feeling is that Moyes might go for Aller. I don't think Moyes will want to play Bowen up top. But then there's also the there's also the thing that see Moyes. It seems at least from what I, little I know, Moyes wanted Jared Bowen. Right. Uh, Aller is also a signing of a different manager and a different play style. Yeah. and kind of i and and moyes would support the players that he himself has chased after and signed because he signed them just like him in everton and uh, many people don't think so but i think he tried to do that in in united as well where he he signs players who fit into a certain mindset of football that he wants so that's why many of the players that he gets in kind of play well with one another he got in suchek and then he got kupal he got in bowen they they all clicking with one another uh, 
does that does that indicate anything on why ben rama is not playing do you think if the rumors i i read a lot of fan theories about this on twitter where fans think that ben rama was more of a, a david sullivan signing because he was lighting up the championship and the fans were really angry after selling the angana that the board didn't realize what they had got into so to maybe pacify the fans is what some fan theories are that they got in ben rama as this flair player but i i i think moise is stubborn <laughs> and if he thinks the player won't click with his that's why he doesn't make substitutions and <laughs> i'm sure most of our fan club will get quite upset about that why doesn't he substitute to the 82nd minute <laughs> yeah no that's true and i think he addressed this in a press conference as well right after the after the comeback against spurs he was very adamant and it seemed like he was giving it back to some of the trolls who questioned his substitution tactics and he mentioned that look it's very easy for a manager to substitute a player what's difficult is to stick to a player and believe that he's going to turn things around and i think moes does does do that he's given a lot of players whether his own or whether uh, some some from the pellegrini era he's given them a chance and i'm sure he's giving alair and ben rama opportunities on the training ground and hopefully and- ben rama tomorrow and and he did give he did give aler a good opportunity in the league cup where i think aler did well he did so well. yeah very well there's no so reason for aler to feel or rather for moes to feel like aler won't deliver right because he's played him in the leagues and aler scored he's played him against wolves and aler scored so maybe what aler needs is a couple of games 90 minutes 75 minutes from the start where you can read the game from the beginning maybe that's maybe. all he needs yeah maybe that's all he needs actually we'll Coming see back. what happens in liverpool it will be very exciting to see even the team news but uh, once again really heartbroken about to hear about antonio being out because he was really on a different run of form that's true And But speaking to- of, what do you think of the injuries and West Ham? There's something wrong with us. We get too many injuries, don't you think? I I have to go by the fan theory of something being wrong with Rush Green. I I just don't see how we could have so many muscle-related injuries, other than being down to the fact that we have a imbalance. And and this is and this stuff. is possibly my uh, biggest. grievance with the way the club is managed is that maybe maybe just maybe we could invest a little bit more in our infrastructure and personnel i think that would really lead the club to a, to new heights what do you think yeah i mean if they stop paying us all the money they're paying to be fans in india they could use it to redevelop <laughs> i have a feeling that portion is going to get cut out and like spread in social media saying members of the indian farmers admit to being paid <laughs> <laughs> but i agree i think considering how most clubs have invested heavily in their training centers um they've invested a lot in scouting especially now when like data driven scouting 
yeah. rules the roost. So I think I think these are these are things that our club could possibly consider looking at. It might be something that the club would also grow and reach its potential with. That's true. So just to end this podcast, your predictions for tomorrow and your goal scorers for tomorrow. I'm going for two all. I think Salah and Mane will score for Liverpool. I think Bowen will score for West Ham. Both goals? Both goals. Or one will be a defender, a centre-back like Ogbonna, <laughs> who has been who has been brutal this season, really. Incredible, hasn't he? I mean, if he keeps up this form, he's my hammer of the year. Everybody will be like, what about Antonio? But for yeah. me, Ogbonna is my... Hammer of the year. He keeps playing like this. And he he made it to the Italian squad after so many years. That's that's always good to see. Yes. He is a beast. And he's he's another one on a different run of form. And I I hope and pray he doesn't get injured. That's always the only prayer we have as West Ham supporters. (laughs) So, Tahir, this was great. It was incredible to start off this Indian Hammers podcast with you. Hopefully, the Indian Hammers podcast grows as quickly and as widely as uh, our group has. And uh, we hope to have more fans across uh, India join this podcast. We'll be covering fans who are currently outside India, who are tracking West Ham through satellite phones in the middle of the Atlantic. Do you remember that? Oh, yes, 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 yes. And I'd love to be back on. I mean, if, if I have time and it'll be, it'll be good fun to speak to the others. Absolutely. It'll be great because I think what most people uh, need to know about the Indian Hammers is that it's a passionate bunch of people here. Who and, and they need to know that we exist and that we're not paid. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think we should ask everyone the question like, uh, so how much did David Sullivan pay you to support West Ham? <laughs> Anyone who knows anything about football should know that's just not possible. I don't know how people believe that West Ham's paying us. But, I mean, maybe if this podcast grows, we can. I think Rohan's from Baroda don't know much about <laughs> about football in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right, this was great having you on. This is the end of the first that's episode. Of the part, otherwise, I'll get hate mail from Rohan's from Baroda. <laughs> Super having you on, Tahir. Hello. Bye bye. We will have this uploaded right in time for the game against Liverpool tomorrow. Let's hope we win this. Come on, you Irons. Come on, you Irons.